Chapter 12 Opposition To understand the object of an obscure plot, observe its consequences, and ask who might have intended them. Lord Voldemort Research continues at quite a satisfactory pace. You were correct, sir, to tell me that I would find no challenge. The techniques of muggle science are not so complicated, and mostly rely on only a few simple procedures. Make observations, guess what's happening, and then try to prove yourself wrong. It has been much more unpleasant to deal with the unspeakables, the muggles, and particularly the Lovegood girl. She has risen quite above her station, and it will be very nice to put her back in her place some day, before she gets hurt by her own arrogance. I wish that our results had a more practical application. The Umbridge Snare is a useful plant for spell research in the future, I admit to that. A laboratory set within a solarium, where the vines are growing in abundance, would be an excellent place for inquiries into the most delicate charms, where no interference could be tolerated from local warding. But time spent on that research was time we could have spent on more important things, like weapons. Once everyone and everything are sorted out, and there is no more nastiness, then we'll have time for foolish little plants. Still, in the hopes that it may prove of use, I have left detailed notes in a mokeskin pouch with a live sample of the umbridge snare in the usual location, as well as one of the magic detectors we have developed. I look forward to the day when we'll be able to settle all unpleasantries for good. I am nearly out of one-time pads. Please provide more. All my best to your lovely mother and Mr. Shacklebelt. Dolores Umbridge, from a letter to Draco Malfoy. On the first stone pedestal. Change my beginning, and subtract my end and all colour, and chase me away for good. On the second stone pedestal. Grindelwald's fall, less Erg's fall, less price of towers rise. On the third stone pedestal, what have I got in my pocket? Hermione looked at the three pedestals and their riddles. She thought, they're not even being subtle about this. This doesn't make any sense. I notice I am confused. She turned to the three witches standing beside her. This is an obvious trap, right? They hung a Slytherin tapestry in front of their secret entrance and wrote three entrance riddles that any muggle-born Ravenclaw would be able to answer given enough time, even if they didn't have bubblers capable of calling auras in the Hogwarts library. Or capable of contacting Harry if it's an emergency and they make the appropriate arrangements. The Malfoys are not stupid or obvious, and this isn't some sort of double bluff where we're meant to think it's so obvious that it can't be real, since there are only a few people who might think of that. Hermione spoke to Tonks directly. We've called in the cavalry. We're not going in until they get here, first of all, even if we solve these riddles. In the meantime, take Hyori and go back outside. Look for anything unusual. No, wait. Look for anything unusual, and if you don't find anything, take a really close look at all the usual things. She paused, on the verge of contradicting herself, because maybe that was what they wanted her to do, and there would be an ambush in here or out there, or... Wait a second. Stop. 
you can afford to take the time to think about this for a minute. Any trap that relies on us being right here is one that could have been laid anywhere, including the tavern's main room, and there will be no way to predict when exactly we would be here. We're probably not in immediate danger. Stop and think. Don't just react. This setup has been clever and erudite, but controlled. They already have some way to control the Redcaps, and the little monsters weren't that dangerous. Blunt trauma against a gang of witches and a wizard, plus me. Well, and Erg, but still. If you want to make a deadly trap, then you fill that hole with acid-spitting spiders or vermicious knids or whatever. Or just a bomb, for that matter, these days. Hermione felt like events were out of control. Like there were hidden forces just beyond the edge of her understanding. It was like playing a game she didn't understand. There was some sort of pattern taking place according to unknown rules, but she couldn't make a move when she was unable to perceive the goals. So why the goons, the redcaps, and now the riddles? Oh. The first letter of the name has been uttered, she said distantly. I think I know what, Tonks began. Hermione cut her off, snapping back to the situation. No, don't, sorry. And forget what I said a moment ago. Sorry, but it's important. We're leaving. If the trigger to the next level of this trap is auditory, we don't need to be chatting about the riddles right here. We should already have been out of here. Tonks didn't look offended, but instead grinned hugely. Ah, you figured something out, didn't you? Esther scowled at her and put a finger to her lips. Fury stepped out of the actually quite clever trap room cautiously, wand high. The pub was just like they left it, and they stood to one side of the wreckage after a cautious scan of the room. As they walked out, warily and quickly, Tonks's hair shortened and turned pale blonde. Do tell me, she said, with a deeper voice than usual. How you have seen through my plottings and plannings, you blood-mud girl. Hermione didn't answer, but did smile. As they stepped out of the arm-in-arms, she glanced around quickly. No one in sight. Tonks, do you remember how either of the men at the table inside looked? Damn, why did we send them to the tower? Should we call and get them to show us? Pretty near, Tonks said. I have a good memory for faces. So what's up? Her own was already broadening and coarsening, paws on her nose widening and the eyes developing heavy bags. One, two, three, four, Hermione counted. What comes next? Five, Fury answered. No, but if you wanted to get someone to say something, that would be the way to do it. Especially if what really came next was Pequod Turnip or something else just as impossible to guess. Hermione said. She indicated the arm-in-arms with one gauntlet golden finger. This is a trap. Not a good enough one, Esther said, scowling. No, the very best, Hermione said, shaking her head. If you're not looking for it, you'll never find it. If you find it, you'll either be stunned and memory-charmed, or beaten unconscious and memory-charmed. And if you make it through both, Tonk said, then there's a very obvious next step with school-child riddles and writing on the parchment turns you into a newt or something. Yes, precisely. The next step is way too obvious. A textbook secret entrance. 
It would get most people, especially people ready to complete an expected pattern. Defeat the boss and solve the riddle, and then voila! She swept her arm around. Only I bet this voila is a stunner or a memory charm. It's like a story I once read about a detective who thinks he's found a pattern. I think you're right, Esther said. But I think this goes another level deeper. When I imagine myself trying to design this whole trap, I think about how anyone with serious sense isn't going to take the bait. They're going to do the smarter thing, what we did. What I did without thinking. Thugs, red caps, riddles, and one final trap. Call for backup, said Esther, nodding. But why assume it goes any deeper? Maybe you're just smarter than everyone else. The red caps were clever and showed considerable thought. It seems unlikely our opponent is at that level. And anyway, we don't lose anything by waiting for the backup and taking one small precaution. Hermione replied, shrugging. But here is my prediction. The council, or whoever answers the request of our four when they get there, is going to send just a few people. For this, when we were just attacked, Tonk said, patting his round belly with one hand idly, while scratching his unshaven chin with the other. He pulled off his gauntlet, feeding it into his pouch. I've been stupid, Hermione thought. I didn't understand the game, or the moves, or anything about what's going on. But there is one question I can ask. Who am I playing against? Then there's just one thing to do first, Hermione said. Simon, Susie, Erg, and Shalivar did not return with anyone. They didn't return at all. Instead, 30 minutes after the four had been dispatched to the old thing, there was a trio of popping sounds in the street. It was scant yards from where Hermione stood with Hyori and Esther. A bloody and battered Limpel Tinieger and two American Auras had appeared. The robes on Tinieger's spidery limbs were not simply worn, they were bloody rags. Her breasts were exposed to the shredded front, and long cuts arced across her chest and neck. There was a red stump where her left ear had once been. Her wand was in her hand, and her teeth were bared. The two auras with Tinieger were in worse shape. Hermione didn't recognise them. The one on the left was slightly taller, with a hooked nose and long hair and a braid. His clothing had been burned, and the fabric along his left side was blackened and stiff with intermingled ash and the scorched gore of his own damaged flesh. He stood unconcerned and cool, wandered alert as well, and his eyes already flickering around them. His companion was average in height, with thick hands. His face was bruised and bloody, and he looked to have been beaten. His eyes were purpling and swelling enough that it looked as though he could barely see. But even he was ready for a fight, with the hardened look of a man who'd fought dangerous creatures and frenzied euphorics. These Americans were made of stern stuff. Counselor, Hermione called, running towards them and lowering her shield. Her long strides outpaced Esther and Hurie easily, and she was at Tiniega's side in a moment. Jesus, what happened? Tiniega ignored Hermione's instinctive muggle curse of surprise, and used one hand to gather up the remains of her robes in front of her into a bunch to cover herself. The other hand kept her wand up, as the Westphalian swept it over the street, looking for a threat. Miss Granger, are you alright? Were you attacked? Her voice was urgent and hoarse. 
What happened? I wanted to flash out my opponent. Did someone attack the old thing? An attack on such a scale wouldn't just bring a further investigation. It might bring a war. And had the others been caught up in it? Were the other returned all right? Hermione touched her wand to the witch's shoulder. There was an ambush here, yes. Vulnera Cemento. Reparo. Did you see my people? Simon, Susie, Erg, and Charlotte. We must get inside, Tiniega said, cutting her off. It's not safe out here. Oh, Merlin, we've been attacked. It was Malfoy. They had blast bombs. Hermione felt her stomach turn, but she turned to glance at Hyori and Esther, indicating with a nod of her head that they should help the two auras. She herself gave support to Tiniega, putting an arm around the witch's waist. Tiniega looked a little better now that Hermione had healed her a bit and repaired her garments, but this was disaster. Should they portkey out? No, not without finding out what happened to the others. All six of them rushed inside the arm-in-arms, one of the auras bringing up the rear, his wand out and ready for trouble. Wait, Hermione said as they re-entered the pub. This place had been trapped, was still probably trapped, and it was a terrible place to take shelter. A low mound of grey-bubbled foam still sat like a giant mushroom in the centre of the room, studded with stunned redcaps, and one of the wizards who damaged them lay slumped along the wall. She hadn't been thinking clearly. There was not the slightest reason to stay here. She'd bubbled for reinforcements and... Stupefy! Colours returned first, swirling in smears. There was a rubble of sounds, meaningless burbles that she knew must be words. It was an unknowable time before the colours became shapes and the sounds became words. Say who it was. If it was a Brit, we'll need to take action soon. But we're all set up here already. We shouldn't move them outside of the wards unless we absolutely must. Only our trusted people even know about this place, and I don't think anyone even knows they're here. Stunned. They stunned me. It couldn't have been long ago. She didn't stun easily and it wore off quickly. Something about the regeneration. Enchanted cells were replaced with new ones at a significant rate, maybe. It was hard to keep her down. Although she still couldn't move a muscle. They'd done something else while she was out. It was Tiniega speaking. Well, I wanted to flash out my opponent, and I said that this would happen. A plausible story. Why didn't I stop and think? I made a prediction. Why didn't I stick to it? I predicted exactly this very thing, and I still fell for the trick. Just because they've roughed themselves up a little bit, I acted according to a script. Stupid, stupid. Is it Tiniega with Malfoy? Is she acting alone? Is this a move by the council? Hermione straightened herself to move, willing her toes to wiggle. Nothing happened. She put a convulsive mental effort into it. Move, 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 move! Not a twitch. She couldn't even figure out what they'd done to her. There are a half dozen spells that rendered the victim immobile. Bring them here. Do it directly, Diniega said. A male voice answered her. One of the auras? Yes, ma'am. It'll take me a few minutes to bring all four of them, though. We can't apparate out, but... No, no, Diniega said. I'll hook up the flu here, and you can bring them directly. I know the egg in Spalaxi Greatest Boston, and I can link it up downstairs in no time. We won't leave a trace. 
a trace. Far too late, Hermione realised. I could have checked for fingerprints on that jar of flu powder. I am stupid. Tiniego went on. Go and wait in my office. You and Horvath keep anyone from pulling in, and send the four Brits through once I signal you through the flu. Stun the goddess again before you go. Better safe than sorry. Stupefy. Colours. Shapes. Hermione was awake again. She blinked, then did it again. She could move. She was lying on her side, on the floor. Somewhere. Her left arm, right leg and her sides tingled. She recognised the sensation of newly healed wounds. They'd found her implants and taken them out. It made sense they might find the ultimate ulna in the Polkies, but how had they found the bat balls? She and Harry had tested them, and she'd thought that only the tower's magic detector was sensitive enough to find them. Hermione glanced around. They were in a brick-walled room with a low ceiling. There was a long and narrow table with a dozen stools around it. Her belongings were resting on the table. Pouches, two wands, portkeys, bat balls, gauntlet, and other miscellanae. Hyori and Esther were along one wall, still stunned, lying on top of each other unceremoniously. Next to them was the figure of one of the drunks who'd ambushed them, sitting up and leaning against the wall, but still apparently unconscious. Limpleton Jaeger and one of the auras, the one with the hook nose and the braid, were standing next to a fireplace. Tiniega was bent down slightly, and had her wand resting on the stone of the fireplace. She was muttering to herself. The aura was watching Hermione. He smirked when he saw her looking. This was some sort of meeting room or local headquarters. There was stacked parchment, boxes of potion components, and other odds and ends. The local meeting place for the Malfoy faction? She didn't see anything to hint at a larger purpose. She shifted a bit. She was no longer paralysed, but she was bound tightly in place. Looking down, she saw tight black cords wrapped around the length of her body. Her arms were pinned against her so firmly that she couldn't do more than wiggle her fingers. Her legs were cocooned with black cording. Incarcerous ropes conjured on her multiple times. Cut! Hermione's voice warbled. She swallowed and tried again. Councillor Tineaga, have you lost your mind? Miss Granger, you're awake. Tineaga didn't turn around, but continued casting, wand on the fireplace. I have some questions for you. Just one moment and I'll be right with you. Councillor, Hermione said. She was anxious over her return. Please be okay, please be okay. And angry over the betrayal and utterly confounded about the situation. And she let all of that emotion into her voice. Turn around. Tiniega lifted her wand and straightened, turning to face her captive. Her face was sour, mouth tight. You're in command of yourself, Hermione said, eyeing her. This is you. It wasn't a question. (sighs) Yes, Miss Granger, Tiniega said, sighing. This is me. And believe me when I say I'm sorry about this. This was not... She paused. She had always looked pale, but now she looked even whiter than usual. There was no alternative, and things could be much worse. You and your people are all safe. You'll be memory charmed and no worse the wear. We'll add a few things, of course, to help you serve the right cause. Tiniega shook her head wonderingly. 
I thought that they were being paranoid when they said that anyone could get past our traps here. Goons, the red caps, and the riddles. But I see that they were right, and that's why we've got a captive goddess. But you won't be harmed. Hermione didn't say anything. She just glowered at Tiniega. The American went on. We would have already done these alterations to let you go, in fact, except two of my men are missing. She gestured with her wand at the unconscious drunk leaning against the wall. I need to know where you have them. Hermione shifted herself, but... Hermione shifted herself so that she rolled onto her back and then sat up. Her bonds tightened at the motion, and she felt them strain and bite into her. She ignored the discomfort, which was trivial. The aura was already covering her with his wand, and Tiniega lifted her own slightly. Do I tell her she's already lost? I need to make sure they don't do anything desperate. What would serve my purpose better? Confidence or fear? Hmm. Tiniega has been very contrary, which might come from arrogance or insecurity. Reportedly a high achiever, but that doesn't provide evidence either way. Hard to say which would succeed. I should start with intimidating her, though. It's easy to go from intimidation to cowering, but a lot harder to go the other way round. Hermione could probably kip up from this position, but it would be difficult. Better not risk her dignity yet. I don't see any reason to tell you that. Tiniega rubbed her eyes with her free hand. I'm not going to pretend that I'm willing to torture you or yours. Even if I would do that sort of thing, I've seen your metal, I don't think it would break. And I know for a mortal fact that none of your insane little group would make a peep. Scruples? In someone willing to murder an innocent like Tarleton? Unless she didn't order that, or she's not the boss, or it was a mistake. She's proudly taking an ethical stance here. Let's see if I can goad her into self-righteousness. You didn't seem like you were that kind of person, Hermione said, cautiously. Be dumb. Let her correct you and supply information. This has to be hard on her. Push it. Tineg is not a plotter, not subtle. She's a born lieutenant. A Gryffindor, not a Ravenclaw or Slytherin. Not that we've known each other long, but when we were discussing Tarleton's murder... But, wait, you were behind that. You were the one who killed him. You're a murderer. As Hermione pushed it a bit further with each phrase, probing for a response, she saw Tineaga's face twist in disgust at Hermione's fake process of realisation. That was the Malfoys, not us, Tineaga said, her lip curling. The aura standing next to her walked across the room, separating himself from Tineaga. An abundance of caution. He wanted a clear shot and a crossfire on Hermione, just in case. He did not seem won over by Hermione's aura of innocence, even though she was bound and helpless and it should be accentuated. Maybe they discussed it while she was out. So this was a council stronghold after all. That had implications. If Hermione escaped, no longer a safe assumption now, she'd have to live in fear for her returned, or else pit them against one of the most powerful magical organisations in the world. The Council of Westphalia was in effective control of more than one government. Or it could be war, if Magical Britain acted to protect one of its most beloved popular figures. A magical world war. Her dread of the possibility must have shown on her face. Under the circumstances, it was probably easy to misinterpret. Yes, your friend, Draco Malfoy, he murdered that boy, Tineaga said. He murdered his own agent. He must have known we discovered the boy was an infiltrator. And that blood is on your hands, too. 
his own agent, Hermione repeated slowly. Tarleton was passing out information. That's why the flu powder was in that room, even though there was a flounder. She wriggled in place, trying to work some blood down into her bound extremities. The ropes were digging deeply into her. Teenager's eyes widened. That is... Merlin's beard, yes. Her eyes narrowed, and she stared suspiciously at Hermione. You are clever. Not so clever. Tarleton and Kemp... I get it now. Stupid of me. A British muggle-born with a good education should have figured it out immediately. Stupid of them for playing those risky games. Hermione said. She didn't clarify for Tiniego when the American witch looked puzzled. Well then, we're at an impasse. How about a trade? I very much doubt you have anything to offer me, actually, Tiniego returned. I want you to tell me where you have my men because it's the right thing to do. I have no choice but to wipe your memory of this whole debacle. My hands are tied. With or without them, you'll forget all of this. And wherever you've put my men, you've surely tied them up or caged them or something. If you don't tell me where they are, they'll be trapped wherever you have them until they die. Do I tell her that they're already at the tower? That there's no hope of keeping this fair a secret? What will her reaction be? Will she act desperately? No. She's been through enough that she'll keep a cool head. But neither is she soft enough to surrender once she finds that out. No, she'll wipe our memories. That will be the best course of action. It gives her deniability. No one will really want a war, so things will settle out with distrust. The Council's plan, whatever it is, will continue. It was a pity she couldn't signal to her future self that she'd been memory-charmed. They'd probably put back all of her belongings, and her wounds would heal. She'd never even know all this had happened. Well then, that leaves me no other alternatives but to act. She glanced at the aura, who was standing across the room from her. The table was between them. All of her belongings were lying on it, including the gauntlet. It was facing away from her, and she wished she could burst free of her bonds and leap to it, sliding her hand right in and sweeping away to Niega and the aura. But even she couldn't break this many incarcerous bonds. So how could she do this? Two enemies, and she was unarmed. She gave herself another long second to think. Oh. Oh. They're in a secure location. My headquarters at Powys in Britain. There's a portkey in my garments here. You missed it. It looks like a piece of Drubal's gum. When Hermione said garment the returned code word for prepare for violence, she saw the unconscious drunk lying next to Hyori and Esther move his hand incrementally, sliding it behind his back. She knew there was a wand hidden there. Tonks was ready. Get it. Be careful, Tinega ordered the aura. He didn't look like he needed to be warned. If you try anything, remember your friends. No one wants them getting hurt in the scuffle. I don't want anyone getting hurt, ever, Hermione said, as the aura rounded the table and approached her. But sometimes it's necessary. The ends justify the means, Tineaga said, scornful. I've recently fought off your swarm of bloodthirsty redcaps, and now you're getting ready to violate the memories of eight people, Counselor. I'm not sure you've taken the time to think through on your ethics here, Hermione said, and she couldn't stop a laugh from escaping her lips. 
The aura in front of her kept his wand on her, carefully, as he approached. Please be aware, this is probably your last chance to sort this out, before you go too far. My last chance to surrender, Miss Granger, Tinier said dryly. This is not a play. As I've occasionally had to remind a friend of mine, sometimes life imitates art, Hermione replied. Carvo! The blast of wind from the gauntlet on the table behind the aura was immense, like a hurricane had been unleashed from a bottle. As the charger spent its contents, pressurised air was released all at once. In defiance of physics, the gauntlet didn't move in an equal and opposite way, but the aura certainly did. Caught full in the back, he was flung like a ragdoll over Hermione's head and into the wall, smashing into it like an insect. His wand was blown away, to the far end of the room away from Tineaga. The aura actually hung upright for a moment, pinned to the brick wall by the concentrated gale that was blasting forth from the gauntlet. By the time the wind died away, Hermione had struggled to her feet with the graceful jackknife and was hopping towards the fallen wand. Tineaga raised her wand to attack Hermione in the same moment that Tonks raised his. The American must have seen the movement out of the corner of her eye, because she threw herself forward spastically, landing on her side. Tonks tried to track her dive, but his stunner missed Tineaga's back by what looked like centimetres. Tristory! Tineaga cast as she landed on the floor, pointing her wand at Tonks and swirling the tip. With a crackling sound, her wand seemed to be subsumed in a wooden pole that sprouted out from within it, covering it with dark wood in a fraction of an instant. The wood erupted forward, the end of the pole sharpening to a point as it did. The spear stabbed out at Tonks' stomach like a bolt of lightning. The British witch, wizard? Tonks was still disguised, was still seated, but he was able to jerk himself to the side, and the spear struck the wall. The tip exploded in splinters with the force of the attack. Another spell of which she'd never heard, Hermione thought with surprise as she reached the aura's fallen wand. She threw herself onto it on her side, grasping for the end. Her hands were bound to her side, but her fingers were free. Where are these spells coming from? Tonks raised his wand again to attack the American, but Tiniega brought her eight-foot spear wand down onto the metaphor of Magus's wand arm with as much ease as if it was still eight inches of willow. It must have no weight to her, and deflected the attack before it could even come. Then the spear retracted as if it was shrinking, and erupted forth a second time like another flash of lightning. Tonks couldn't avoid it this time, and the splintered end buried itself in his stomach. No, 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 Hermione thought, as she struggled the aura's wand into place and pointed it at herself. Finite incantatum, she cast. But only the outermost layer of ropes vanished as Hermione's magic overcame it. She could have howled in frustration. Tiniega moved her wand, again with remarkably little effort, and lifted her spear wand over her head with a flicking gesture. Tonks was scraped up the bricks and then launched free, sailing into the opposite wall with a thud, unconscious. Blood trickled from his stomach, starting to pool on the floor. Desperate, Hermione pointed the aura's wand at herself again. She closed her eyes and turned her face away. There was probably a better solution to this, but she couldn't think of it and she had to save Tonks. Confringo! The explosive fire bit into her like some heat-toothed demon, and Hermione staggered from the pain that shocked through her. But the incarcerous ropes had been mostly blasted or burned away, and when she wrenched her arms and legs away from her body with desperate strength, the remaining bonds snapped. She was free. Tiniega's super wand seemed to have no limits on its range, however, 
At the moment that Hermione freed herself, she could see the wood retract and burst forth again as Tiniega brought it to bear on the goddess. It smashed into Hermione's hand with incredible force. The appropriated wand wasn't knocked free from Hermione's inhuman grip, but the blunt and bloody splintered pole broke it against her palm in two places. It probably also broke a few bones, although the pain of the blasting curse drowned out anything else. On the next attack, as the spear receded and erupted at her again, Hermione was ready. Hock! she grunted, as she turned to the side and brought her bunched fingers down into the spear as it shot past her. Her blow carried through the wood, snapping it cleanly as if her hand was a cleaver. Tiniega gestured dexterously with the hand in which she held the wand spear, sweeping it to the side like a long club at Hermione's head. It moved with such speed that the pole whistled. But this was not an equal fight, and Hermione caught the pole in one palm. It was a toy to her. She yanked on it with trollish strength, hoping to catch Tiniega off guard. The American didn't even move, as the spell just fed four more feet of dark wood out of her hand. Frustrated, Hermione whirled in place and brought her foot up with another grunt, snapping the wood once more. This was physical combat now, and Hermione still wasn't winning. Where the hell had this woman learned to fight? I wish we could work together, Miss Granger, Tiniega called, as the wood drew back into her hand once more. She held it ready, a short length of pole ready to expand and strike. We could have, Counselor, Hermione said, hefting her own non-magical pole upright in her hands to the great banner position, ready to block an attack. She glanced at Tonks. He had regained consciousness, and he was holding his hands over his stomach. Out of the fight, but he didn't look like he was in danger. I can't let the world end because of the tower, nor can I let the villains win, the American said. Her thin face looked pained. I didn't want to... Reg and I have been through so much. I didn't want it to be like this. I didn't want to be against him, not after standing at his side so many times over the years. I didn't want to be against magic. But there's no choice. I won't accept evil, and I won't accept destruction. What? But if you're... Wait, if you're not working for Malfoy or Hig or Harry... Counselor, what is going on? Hermione said, desperately. You're just a pawn in this game, goddess, Tiniega said, and now she sounded as though her heart was breaking. And in the end, there are really only two sides. The council and the tower and the ten thousand and every other thing. Even Malfoy's nasty little honourable. You're all just doing evil, no matter what you say you want. The three are the world's only hope. You're a pawn and you're on the wrong side. But if she's not here for the council, if Hig doesn't know... Pawns are powerful when in force, said Councillor Reghig, as he dismissed his disillusionment. He was standing at the door with a dozen, no, two dozen auras visible in a crowd behind him. His voice was strained but firm. Really, you're doing Miss Granger a disservice if you call her anything but a queen. There was a tingle over Hermione's skin, as someone applied an anti-disapparition jinx. Tiniega's face contorted with emotion. Reg! You have to- Take her into custody, Higgs said to the auras behind him. Take everyone into custody, and we'll sort the truth of this mess out afterward. Damn you. Damn you, Granger! Tiniega snarled. I have never seen anyone struggle so hard to help break the world. You snooped until you broke apart everything I built here. 
stumbling around like a blind mule. She twitched her fingers, and the wood encasing her wand disintegrated into sawdust, drifting down from where the pole had once jutted. Hermione felt the snapped-off length in her own hands vanish as well. And damn you too, Reg, if you can't see the truth, if you can't trust me, if you're joining these heralds of the end. You can't, Hig began, but Tiniega stabbed her wand at the ceiling without another word. Alagafotti! Cast the witch. There was an orange flash as though from a fiery dawn, and a horse of flames burst through the wall. It left no marks and brought no heat, crossing the room with soundless hoofbeats, as swift as the flicker of a candle, and swept Tiniega out of sight in the span of a breath. She was gone. Hermione rushed to Tonks's side, stopping only to snatch up her wand from beneath the table where it had fallen. The metamorph magus had passed out again. You need to get someone on Bill Kemp immediately. And four of my people are... It's all right, Miss Granger, Higgs said. He had staggered over to the table and was leaning on it. Auras bustled in behind him, checking on Hyori, Esther and the fallen Aura. We have the two other traitors in shackles already. The Aura and young Tarleton's friend, Bill Kemp. And you're returned unharmed. He rubbed his unshaven face with his hand, sighing heavily. His hair was mussed, unkempt black licks. I'm sorry it took us so long to get here. We might have taken her if we'd gotten in sooner. There's no excuse, since you gave me an hour's warning, but... Well, the entrance was trapped. For a while there, when she thought that the council was behind this place, Hermione thought it had been monumentally stupid to have time-turned back and sent a warning to Hig. But she thought that calling for backup in the first place was the obvious thing to do, which meant that she was probably acting predictably. So she'd had to assume that she was expected to call for help from the nearest authority, and that her request would be intercepted. It cost nothing to be cautious, after all. She'd time-turned back and gone herself to ask Hig for backup, under cover of the Cloak of Invisibility. For a while, it looked like that had been a serious mistake. If it had been the Council at work, all she would have done would be to give them more warning about how to trap her. In retrospect, she should have had everyone go back even further and done some serious preparation. But hindsight was twenty twenty, and that sort of paranoia had costs. Sorry, Alistair. Ah, yes, the riddles, Hermione said, glancing up at the Westphalian as she walked over to the table and got her pouch. She sent Tonks to the tower, just to be safe. Attempting trap for a Ravenclaw, believe me. I wonder if they were written with Harry in mind, or me. Nogtail, 185, and a ring, right? Did it knock you out? Yes, all of us at a stroke, Higgs said. He didn't seem embarrassed, only drained. Who was... what was going on, Hermione? I don't know. I had thought... I didn't know what to think, Hermione said. She approached the table and sat down at one of the chairs. We'll have to see if there was anything here to give us more of a clue. Council Tiniega said that Malfoy was behind the bombing, which makes sense. Tarleton was his agent, according to her. I think I understand what was going on there. A quote from Lenin seemed appropriate, although the exact one escaped her at the moment. But this room, this place, it didn't have anything to do with Malfoy. Tiniega didn't have anything to do with him. Hig made a low sound of agreement in his throat. He is persuasive, and he makes good points. I receive unbreakable honour, 
and it's made me think long and hard from time to time. But Malfoy argues from every perspective. It's like standing in a hailstorm with a drink. Sometimes you get ice cubes, but a lot of the time it just hits you wrong. And Limple and I... He paused for a second. We spent a long time fighting for the rights of muggles and other beings. Fighting for their right to exist for a long time. It took 30 years before we had the votes in the council. Even if we weren't talking about Malfoys, and Lucy and Malfoy once cursed me, I don't think Limple would be persuaded. He paused again for a longer time, and sank down into another chair across from Hermione. His face looked drawn, as if he'd aged ten years in the last ten minutes. She was never easy to persuade. The three, Hermione mused. She said the three were the world's only hope. Hig shook his head. Which three? There's no triumvirate in the council. There's a trio of representatives from the Sawad to the Confederation, with whom Limpel and I have tangled on occasion, but I hardly think she's suddenly been won over to their theocratic goals. Or are these three objects? There are many articles of legend that come in threes. The cauldrons of the Selwyn sisters, the forged halos, the deathly hallows. He grimaced. Who or what are we talking about? I don't know, said Hermione. For years, Harry and I have been wrangling with Draco and Narcissa over politics in Britain. And now we've been working hard to resolve our differences and misunderstandings with your council and other things. Hig didn't comment on her euphemistic summary of the global political struggle in which they had all been locked. I thought we knew the players. I thought coming here today was about flushing out some minor intrigue. I thought there was one hand behind the bombing and the British spy following us and this place. Limple told you that we knew Tarleton was a spy, Hig said. Hermione nodded. Hig went on. We'd known for a while. He was part of an information network within the council. We like to keep track of what's happening in the world as best we can. Tarleton worked with sorting through information about the Muggle world, and I noticed last year that we didn't seem to know as much as we should. Key facts about important people, particular documents. The picture was incomplete. I ran some tests, and we knew the information was coming in, but we didn't have it. It stopped at Tarleton. And he wasn't the only one. Bill Kemp, too, Hermione said. Both of them were hired two years ago. And they weren't just destroying information. Someone else was getting it. They were handing it out through the flu. Yes, Higg said slowly. He didn't ask her how she knew these things, but there was a break in the despair on his face for a moment. He was impressed, she thought. Good. Yes. I shouldn't let this moment go to waste. We've brought this man from a certain enemy to an uneasy ally. The ground has shifted under his feet. I need to give him a firm hand on which to rely. We have Kemp in custody, and one of the Auras, the one who went back to the old thing to get my people? She asked. She drummed bright fingernails on the surface of the table in front of her, thoughtfully. We have them in custody, not you. We're working together. Yes, he said. The corner of his mouth twisted in the slightest of smiles, despite the circumstances. He knew what she was doing, she could see. He thought it was cute. Good. Then we have one of Malfoy's spies, and we have four of the agents of the, um, three, including the ones from the pub here. And we have this room and all of its clues. Those are clear paths to start figuring these things out. 
which is maybe the only good news out of all of this. Tinieger and the people here had spells I'd never seen before. She teleported out of here without apparating. Hig rose to his feet. Yes, but Miss Granger, you should know now. This doesn't mean that the Americans will enter into your treaty. You might have won my trust, and my confidence in my own people might be shaken. We might agree on many things, like muggle rights and the status of beings. But that doesn't mean we can go so far as to allow Britain to place magical devices throughout the Americas, or to enact unknown rituals on Americans to change their bodies. Councillor Higg, Hermione said, standing up as well. One of the great advantages of honesty is that you don't need to be afraid of closer scrutiny. We can work together to fight our common problems and advance our common interests, and maybe, in time, you'll see that the entire programme is on the level. And if it isn't, well, a wise woman once said, that which can be destroyed by the truth should be. If you find evil, I'll be standing right by you to stamp it out. He put out his hand, and they shook. Author's note. Below are explanations for the riddle answers. If you didn't get them, or got a slightly different answer, don't feel bad. Any answer at all simply caused a stunning effect, so there was no right answer. The only way to win was not to play. Change my beginning, and subtract my end in all colour, and chase me away for good. Nogtail, minus its end, is Nog. Change the first letter to dog, and make sure it's white by taking away all colour, and it can chase away nogtails. Only a pure white dog can do that, allegedly. It was an obscure bit of Harry Potter trivia, so I reminded you of it in Chapter 2. Grindelwald's fall, less Urg's fall, less price of towers rise. Grindelwald fell in 1945, as we were reminded last chapter, and Urg fell in 1722, as we were reminded three chapters ago and 37 Death Eaters plus Voldemort died in 1992 to lay the foundation for the Tower's rise. Harry didn't kill all of them, but that's not common knowledge. What have I got in my pocket? This is a direct reference to J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Bilbo cheats during the riddle contest with Gollum. The answer is a ring, the One Ring, which he's found and taken. I did not remind you of The Hobbit, but you're a muggle, so you have no excuse. Between the acting of a dreadful thing and the first motion, all the interim is like a phantasma or a hideous dream. The genius and the mortal instruments are then in council, and the state of men, like to a little kingdom, suffers then the nature of an insurrection. William Shakespeare. Shakespeare. 